funny. Well, happy Father's Day to you, gentlemen. We prayed over you. We know that you're a blessing to your family. And today I want to bring a message called Effective Fathering. Effective Fathering. I thought of another title. It might be an Infecting Fathering. Infecting. Because you can infect with good stuff. But Effective Fathering this morning, I'm going to preach on for a few minutes and... Uh, Recording the back the early 1900s, Father's Day was, it began to be the concept of celebration, and uh, I believe it was back around 1970, they officially made it a holiday for a national holiday, and uh, it was a great honor to have that done in our generation so that we could honor gentlemen and men that are fathers because really why they did that was is because back in the history of this, uh, I think some fathers got to thinking, hey, it's all about mama. We want to get some credit here too in our house. And so uh, it's definitely a difference between Father's Day and Mother's Day. How many know that? How many know when you go to the restaurant? And I speak from 25 years experience in the food business. How many know then when you go to a restaurant on Mother's Day that you've got a packed house and you can't hardly get in and you wait forever. Now, my sweet daughter, who is here, Rebecca, she found this restaurant in Flower Mound that it was amazing because it's the only time I ever went on a Mother's Day and found there was hardly anybody in there, which was kind of alarming because you wonder if it's any good food. But it was. It was great food, and it was a blessing to be able to go there and spend time with family on that day without waiting and waiting and waiting. I, I remember 43 years of Mother's Days now, and our Father's Days, excuse me, and Mother's Day, but Father's Days. And I remember going back in the restaurant business where I was working, and my wife at the time was uh, my girlfriend, and she did what they call checkout. Uh, she basically rang up the food and gave the ticket to the uh, person who was going to pay the ticket. And uh, that, the line in that day wrapped around the building, it seemed like, outside forever. But all day long, all she would do is keep that number, get that ticket. And she told me later on that she had actually woke up in the middle of the night thinking she was doing the same thing because it was nine hours of checking with our break but thinking about Mother's Day and Father's Day like again so much difference fathers you know instead of being and I, this is an exception because I know there's some fathers going to be taking out some nice places today and, and enjoy ourselves amen mm -hmm. alright right right uh, but you know traditionally most fathers what they do and mothers going on Mother's Day like we celebrate them and honor them bring them flowers and see men what we get to do is we get to go home and in and, and a lot of instances and we put on an apron and then we fire up the grill in the middle of June where it's hot and we sit out there and sweat all afternoon and then we cook the food and everybody's gobbling up and eating and then we finally get the last bite that's just the way kind of fatherhood is when it comes to Father's Day. But that's okay because uh, we, we, we don't mind being second as long as Mama's taken care of. If Mama's happy, everybody's happy. Amen? So, so important that we realize that, that Mama is important. I, 
uh, mothers are great, fathers are great, fatherhood. All this is God's idea. You know that? Another thing is I noticed about, about fathers is that, you know, with having sons and throwing ball and, and, and baseball and all these things, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, except one day I threw a ball at him so hard that it, he couldn't catch a, 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 a hard ball. And it caught him around the cheek here, I think it was, and it took years for him to forgive me for that. But he, he had a lot of pain there, and he still remembers that pain. Uh, but, you know, things like that happen. But anyway, you, we, we, we play ball and we throw ball and, and go out in the yard. And I know most of you guys will do the same thing or have done the same thing with your, parent, your father. And, but I always think it's interesting. You know, you, you get them, and if, with, he, with him, it was, he was that tall and had a ball in his hand, you know. He always had a ball somewhere. He slept with a ball, threw a ball, had a ball. And, and all through, you know, junior high, high school playing ball, and this is what's interesting about this story is you watch all of these men pour their hearts out to all of these young men, and then when they finally get their big break and they get to the NFL, they wind up getting a camera on them, their face, and they go, hi, Mom. You ever notice that? It's most unusual, and it's hard to understand, but that's okay. Well, this morning I want to talk about qualities, nine qualities of a great father. And may I, may I say this to you, that I want to admonish you this morning and say that we have some great, wonderful fathers in this house. Amen? Fathers, I want you to do something. I want you to raise your hand like this. Raise your hand, fathers. Now turn it backwards and put it on your back and pat yourself on the back. There you go. Because you've done good. Let me, let me say this before I give these nine. There is not a father in the world except God that has not made a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of mistakes. Still making mistakes. But when you get to be my age, it, it's okay. It's not near as bad. You know, they kind of excuse it for Alzheimer's or something, you know. But whenever you are raising children, you're going to make some mistakes. But know this. You, you're going to make it and be a great father. Amen? It takes a lot of practice. It takes a lot of work to be a father. It takes a lot of effort, but it's well worth it. The nine qualities of a great father, I, I'm not even going to say a good father because there are a lot of good fathers. But to be a great father, he, first of all, number one, must be a teacher. He gives knowledge and principles for the family to grow and develop. You see, that's a lot of times you'll see, unfortunately, that there is a father that's not there and mama has to take over. And may I say this, if you are a single mom, my hat's off to you. If you're a single father, my hat's off to you. Uh, I, I can't imagine how hard it is for a single mom to, to do all the work she does, take care of the family, and, and do it over and over every day. And, uh, but anyway, the great thing about having two people in the house, obviously, is daddy gets a chance on teaching his children what to do. He's also a protector. 
He does everything in his power to make sure that those children and wife have been protected, not only from unsafe things, but physically and emotionally and spiritually. He is a protector. It is our nature as a man to be protective, protect our family. He is also a friend, a friend that shows kindness and compassion towards his children and his family. It's a joy. It's a joy when we can be a friend and still be a father. Now, what you got to do is make sure you don't get that backwards. The being a friend part before the father just will not fly. Got to be a father first and then the friend. I've seen examples before where a lot of fathers uh, and mothers become the friend and not the one who was really trying to be the one who was being the parent. And may I say this on a side note? Be the parent. Children are not the parents. Uh, they need to understand that you're the one that's in charge. The child does not run the house. The parents run the house because the children are not developed and old enough to handle that responsibility. Amen? He's exemplar. He shows the way by the way he lives. He shows as by example the way he lives and as of a high standard. He calls on a higher standard for the family. He's a provider. He works hard to make sure that the money is there for necessary uh, activities going on inside and outside the house, food, clothing, shelter. He is a provider. Young boy went off to college, and he hadn't been there very long, and his dad had given him some money to use while he was there, paying his tuition and everything. Uh, it put a stress on dad's wallet. But he went ahead and gave him a little bit of money. So one day he wrote back to his father and says, a quick note, no fun, no mun, your son. And that was it. So dad writes this back and to him the same manner and says, too bad, I'm sad, you're dead. <laughs> Amen. I, I believe it's important for college. Don't get me wrong. I think college is wonderful. And I think it under the right uh, direction, the right training, the right teaching, the right schools, the right environment. And I say environment because I know firsthand of what college students look like when they have been in college for a while from their own home. Now let me back up and explain that used to have a carpet cleaning business where we would go in and we would do turnovers and quickly we had to get the, the kids out and we'd have to get in there and clean paint, uh, do the carpet cleaning, whatever it needed to be done to get it set up for the next person coming in, the next a young adult. The problem with that is, is that there was so much, you know, it, it was hard to clean with them there. 
And then one day we had to do that while they're moving in. Well, this mother one day brought in a, a, a cart, a two-wheel dolly, full of booze. I mean, it must have had four or five cases of booze on this cart, and she was bringing this in. And, and she was all huffy about, well, I don't like the way this is painted. I don't like the way this is cleaned. I don't like this. I don't like that. And I forgot who it was. I don't, I don't remember who it was. But I said this. That mother's more interested in boozing up her kid and not taking care of her kid than anything else. In other words, she's more, uh, more in thinking about this apartment that she's in than her soul. And, and I'm not saying that all, all kids do that, but you know many do go off to college and make wrong mistakes. He, a father is a patriarch. He is to be honored because of his moral character and actions. Patriarch is another word for someone being old. I found that out. Matriarch's mother. He is a disciplinarian. His child, they, the children learn boundaries, usually by this way. I need to get two amens on that. Amen. Because there's consequences for the actions. I'm not going to say that um, when it comes to spanking that I always did it the right way. But I did spank those boys of mine a lot. I used to spank them and say, I know you're about to do something, so let me go give you some more. I know you're about to do something wrong. Now, the perfect child was my daughter, Rebecca. I think one time I spanked her, and it was, I don't even remember why. But all the years, I never spanked her because she said, I'm perfect. Never had to correct her. She always listened, and she did the right thing. And uh, but anyway, Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says, "Tell us that there is a it tells us that there is a folly in the heart of a child, but a rod drives it out. Folly or foolishness or doing dumb things." Number eight is a spiritual leader leading for, by example from the Bible. He establishes principles for the family to live by according to the word of God. According to the word of God. I said according to the word of God. He treats his wife like a queen, number nine. He treats his wife like a queen. He shows respect and love when the children are present and when they're not present. Remember this, children are watching. They're like sponges, and they know when you're real, and they know when you're not. They know how they're, you're treating their mother, and they know what's wrong and what's right. So there'll become a time in your life, if you live long enough, and I pray you do, but there'll be a time in your life, young couples, that when it'll just be the two of you. There will be children that have gone off, have gone away, have gotten married, or have left the home, 
and it's just the two of you. And may I say this? You got worked real hard because all those years you never talked to her, and she never talked to you. You got to work real hard at this thing because it's very, very difficult to think that here is this woman or here is this man I've been with now for all these years and we really never did sit down and talk. And not the right thing to do, by the way. Sitting down and talking is so important. With or without the kids there, but time to put the... Another thing, I cannot understand. I'm, I, I'm not trying to get off on the side thing here too much, but I... I, I, I I had the microphone. But I, I think it's interesting. My, my daughter, and, and I, I'm not just lifting her up today because uh, pastor and our other son, they know how to teach children what to do. But I think it's so interesting to see children, and it's so sad. Children will stay up all night long, especially on a Saturday night before Sunday morning. Uh-oh, I won't go there. But what happens when you treat her like a queen, those children see how you're acting and they will follow suit and they will do exactly what you do when they grow up. Amen? In America, there's 25 million children go to bed every night without a father. The devil has had and still has a great big strategy on tearing up the family. That's why he says, I hate divorce. Because we, we know in society of the terrible uh, tragedy it is. And I'm not picking on anyone. If they've been divorced, they've had a big problem or whatever. But here's the thing. The devil knows where to get and place that bomb in a certain strategic place in order to go off when it needs to go off and destroy what it needs to destroy. And we just have to have the word. We have to have the right stuff that God gives us by the spirit and to be able to be strong and say, devil, you can't take over my life. You can't take over my family. There's too many absentee fathers in America and around the world. Now, there's a great story about an elephant. Elephants, I should say. And it was in Africa in a region where there was a lot of populating of the elephants was going on. There was a lot of births of young, young elephants. And they were monitoring this area. And, you know, there's people around the world monitor animals. If there, is a, if there is a lack of one of them, they say we need to protect it. Uh, and then if they got too many of them, like the elephant situation here in this region, became too populated, they went ahead and did a measure, and that was to take the young bull or the young male uh, teenage age uh, elephants off to a different region and transport them over to where they could be separate from the young ladies. I'm not sure what you call a woman elephant, but I know a male's a bull. And so what they did was they, the fathers of the elephants, now follow this, the father of the elephants stayed to protect the other ones and the mothers from anything happening to them. But the young bulls went off into that section away, away from everybody else. 
And they came back later on to check on those young bulls. And they found out that those young bulls, those elephants, were killing each other. They were fighting all the time. And there was no order at all. They decided what they would do is they would take just a couple of the grown elephants, the fathers, and they would take them into this area they had separated them just to see if they could something could change. Well, they went back a short time later and found out that there was no more fighting, there was no more killing, there was all but perfect peace with those elephants just grazing on the land. And then that show you in the animal world that we have to have a father, that we have to have men to be able to do what they need to do and taking care of making sure the family is, is raised properly. Amen. Seven steps of an effective father. Write these down if you would, please. Seven steps for effective fathering. They'll be brief. Number one, initiate action. One of the things that the pastor has done is he has, over the years, has taught men how to, how to be fathers and husbands, and I, I thank him for that. Initiate actions. In other words, take responsibility or an ability to respond. Take action. Initiate action in the family and with your children. Parents, God places the responsibility square on our shoulders, and especially men. God gives that ability to us to be on our shoulders, to carry the family in all different directions, obviously the right directions, but he gives us a responsibility to do it. You see, it's God and man, women, to the children. It's our responsible men to stand up and be the one accountable. We need to be the one that are teaching the children and helping the children, not leave it at the Sesame Street or someone in the street. Amen? The habits that you teach your children will last a lifetime, men. It will last a lifetime. Those hab habits becomes a reputation. We need to create a godly atmosphere in our homes. And I'm going to say this again. I believe that we have some of the best men right here doing that in their homes. I know most of you. I know that you have children that you constantly are uh, correcting and I see the fruits of that. I see how that you are, you are really training them up in the Lord, and you're bringing them to church, and they're, they're always here and and on time and interested in things of the Lord. And my hats off to you again for that. Disciple your children means teach and train those children up, fathers. My father was a great man. I cannot say anything bad about him. If he were living now, he'd be 97 years old. But growing up as a young man in the house of a godly man, 
he was just like most of us. He worked a lot to provide for us. Working six days, seven days a week. And dad did the best he could because he was trained a certain way. He had to do certain things. Family of 15, he was second to the oldest of a family of 15. He had to go to work at 14 years old to support the rest of the family. But my dad was a great guy, but he never discipled me. Nothing anything wrong with my father, but it was a situation where he wasn't trained to disciple. Now, the discipling that goes on, and you know this, man. How many been discipleship? Raise your hand. See, all these men that have been discipleship, I never one time until six years ago when pastors started a discipleship program here with men, I have had never until then been saved over 50 years and raised in a Christian home have ever been to a discipleship meeting. Isn't that amazing? And I can tell you this, a lot of churches and probably most churches do not teach discipleship. The importance of number four, communication. Let me tell you this way. If you don't talk to your children, fathers, they'll find somebody to talk to. Deuteronomy 6, 7 tells, says, tell us, talks about that when, talk to them when you're sitting, they're sitting. Talk to them when they're at home. Talk to them when they're walking. Talk to them when they get ready to go to bed. Talk to them when they get up. In other words, constantly have communication with your children. Cultivate a relationship with your children. Number five, be available. My wife and being raised, my wife and I raising three children, we realize now at our age that pass by very quickly. For those who have grown children, you understand that. Don't be so busy you don't have time for your children. Your children are a gift from God. They are a gift from God. We must understand that. And we've got to, to, to sometimes put our desires on the back burner and say, it, 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 it's, it's okay. I'll get to that later. Or I, I, I may not get to it all, but if I can just spend time with my family and my children, not when it's convenient for you, but when it's necessary. Ask them questions. Pray with your children. Allow the Holy Spirit to help you discern things. Oh, how I wish I'd have prayed that prayer. Lord, help me discern what my kids are doing and what they shouldn't be doing. Now, you've heard enough from this pastor here to tell you that me and my wife and didn't know anything that went on. We thought we knew, but he hit it very well. And he took the, the thing, he talks about the things he used to do, and, and let me tell you what's funny, we didn't know about him until we heard him here. Must initiate wisdom. Beware of what they're, what's going on outside of the house. 
being, number four, seven, being involved. Invest time and be involved with your children. Again, it can be a sacrifice sometimes. Spend time encouraging them to become all they can in the Lord. Go to the movies, ball games with them. Listen to them if they have a problem. They will also find somebody to let you, them hear you. The problems they're having, they'll find somebody to talk to. Listen, observe, and watch those children. Mark Twain, in closing this morning, Mark Twain said, When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly not stand, I could hardly not stand to be around him. But when I got to be 21, I was so amazed how much he had learned in seven years. Amen? That's the truth. Thank you for listening attentively. Pastor. I got this one. Amen. I hope y'all took notes. I got a lot of notes. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Dad. Pastor Pops. Well, he preached for 20, 30 minutes, so I'm just going to preach for 40, just to beat him. And if you don't like it, you can just leave. I heard that, oh. Who wants to, who wants to leave? Just kidding. Now, I'm actually going to preach probably three minutes. How's that sound? That was some good stuff. I got lots of notes. I knew last night, he talked about the discernment of the Holy Spirit. I knew last night that my dad was going was gonna to preach the most, most of this message. I knew that. I knew God had put a lot in his spirit. And so I knew that I was not going to have much time. And I'm okay with that because I'm prepared for it. But I knew, how many know the Holy Spirit's good? We did not talk. We did not ask each other what we were talking about. I didn't say, hey, what are you going to talk about? Hey, what are you going to preach about? He even stole my Mark Twain thing just now. He took, he took a lot of my stuff. But that's how the Holy Spirit works. But as, as my sister is sitting there right by my dad, I was thinking about the one spanking she got. Now, I don't remember it, but I can tell you this. My sister is just smart. She, it wasn't that she was such a good kid. It's just she's smart. She saw me and my brother get whooped so bad for so long, she was just smart enough not to do what we did. How many can say that's wise? Amen? So that's why you're lucky we took all the beatings for you. Amen. It was funny, though. I, I was in the bathroom before uh, uh, we, my, the video was shown, and my nephews were in there. They're in it at the same time. And they're so cute and so funny. And so they're standing there at the urinal. We're all at the urinals, okay? Don't, don't picture that too much, okay? Especially you women. But we're all at the urinals, and they start telling me, hey, do you like jelly beans, Uncle Blake? I said, I love jelly bellies, yes. And they said, well, in one month and in one day, it's jelly bean day. I said, oh, man, awesome. And then they said, in a certain day, it's s'mores day. And then they said, in a certain day, it's marshmallow day. And they're telling me all these days... And I'm going, oh, wow, hey, that's awesome. I said, is today a special day? And they said, nope. (laughs) 
That's kids for you. <laughs> and, I, and I asked them again, I, you sure there's nothing going on special today? No, no, nothing, nothing I know of. I just thought that was super funny. Amen. So I want, I, want to, uh, I want to sum up what my dad said this morning. And I'm telling you, my dad has a lot of wisdom. And for many years, he's been a great father. And he, he said himself how he's been able to learn in his later years what he did not learn. I believe there's a generation of men who have learned a lot of good qualities, but obviously have not learned the most important quality, which is being a godly father. Many men know, learned how to work, as he said about my grandfather. There was no greater work ethic than there was in my grandfather. No greater work ethic than there was in my father. And uh, as he said, we, we are blessed today to be in a place where discipleship is focused on. And we're teaching the men. Yesterday at discipleship, ladies, be thankful for this. We're trying to build up men who are going to treat their wives good who are going to teach their kids, who are going to talk about character issues. And yesterday at Discipleship, we had 15 or 20 guys there, and we talked heavy stuff. We talked about morality and integrity, and we talked about the courage to act upon what the Spirit of God tells us to do. Amen? So we talked about a lot of important stuff, and I am humbled to know that my dad has learned from me as I have learned so many things from my dad. And so it's amazing to think how many men are wanting to do. How many know that men want to do the right thing? They want to do the right thing. How many women want to do the right thing? But take somebody teaching them. And as I listen to all these qualities of a father, teacher, protector, friend, setting a higher standard, providing, being the patriarch, being the disciplinarian, being the spiritual leader, treating your wife like a queen, and listening to these characteristic traits, and then listening to these great effective fathering tips that he talked about. One thing he talked about on number five was be available. And, I, and my thought this morning in my spirit as I came was about time. You cannot do any of these things that God wants us to do unless you make time for your kids. Unless you make time for yourself to focus on yourself, to be the father that you're supposed to be, to be the man that God's called you to be. You have to focus on you so that they can, be, they can have someone to look up to and to be some, following somebody that's being like Jesus. And I just want, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have you open your Bible but I'm going to actually read something tonight. We are going to have service tonight. And I want you to come back tonight. And I'm going to talk a little bit about more of what the Lord put on my heart. But I, I, I already kind of knew that I was going to just focus on this one thing. If you look at Genesis real quick. I, I've, I've prayed and I've asked God over the years to show me the one thing, the one person who really, really got it right. Do you realize in the Bible that does... If you were to, to look in the concordance in, about scriptures, about fathering, just like mothering, just like marriage, you realize there's not a lot of scriptures that specifically say, this is how you be a father. This is how you be a mother. This is how you have a great marriage. You don't see those, really those key words uh, in there. You see the word father. You see the word mother. You see marriage. But you don't, there's no you know, book that just says, hey, here's how you do it. If you really, really study the scriptures. And so we have to be, dig deeper and look further into the word of God to really find the characteristic traits 
of what God is trying to show us that we need. And I began to pray years back and say, God, who, a lot of guys got it right and did good, but who really, really, really got it right? And, and I feel like the Lord showed me there was one man, obviously besides Jesus Christ, but we know that he was not a father. He, he came to, to die. But there was one man in the Bible in the book of Genesis chapter 6 who got it right. And his name was Noah. And the reason I focus so much this morning on Noah is because Noah knew how to spend his time. If you really think about for a second, just for a couple minutes, on this just point of Noah, if you really stop and think about what Noah had to do, he was living, according to the Scriptures, in the worst spiritual time ever in the face of the earth. Probably very similar to where we are now because we know of what is coming prophetically. We know Sodom and Gomorrah was a horrible time with Abraham and Lot, but we also know that the whole world was not destroyed, just just Sodom and Gomorrah was. So if you look at the time frame of when Noah was on the earth, he was called to do a task, which was the hardest task ever called to do outside of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And he was called to do it in the worst time. Well, the worst wickedness that you got to realize it was so bad, church, that God said, I wish I would not have created man. That's how bad it was. He was, in a, he, he was so sick of his creation. We know that the Nephilim was on the earth. Demonic forces were, 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 making, were, were impregnating women. And giants were on the earth. And there was a lack of morality like never before. And it was a horrible time to be alive. And, and the Bible says, I'm just going to read one scripture in, uh, Noah, in Genesis 6-9, that Noah was a just man perfect in his generations and that he walked with God. He was a just man, perfect in his generations and he walked with God. Okay? But how many know it's easy to walk with God when it's, you're in a good world? He was walking with God and perfect in his generation in a generation that was as exact opposite of righteous that there could be. So much so that we know the story, God destroyed the entire earth with water and with a flood. So what I want you to see this morning, especially fathers, and I want you to focus on having these traits that Noah had. Obviously, he had many of these ones that that Pastor Andrews talked about. Probably all of them and some. But he never would have been able to do any of those things he did if he wouldn't have taken the time. Because not only was he living in a bad generation, then God, on top of everything else, at 500 years old... Okay, now that's super old dust, but if you put it in relation to how long he lives, he was old. He was old. If he was living today, he would be old. And God says, on top of everything else, I want you to build an ark. He was already busy living in a horrible world, trying to train up his family. And then on top of that, God says, I want you to build an ark. And so while he's building an ark, so some fathers, their excuse is, well, I got to provide. You notice I said excuse. Because that's not an excuse not to raise your kids in, in God. No, I'll, thank you for that one lonely amen. Amen. It's true. I, work is not an excuse. Because Noah did it. Noah raised his children 
in the Lord while he built an ark. And can you imagine what that entailed? We, I was thinking, I wonder what it would take, how much time it would take. There's, there's all kinds of people who question and ask and state facts about how long it took to build the ark. All we really know is that at 500 years, at the end of chapter 5, he says he's 500 years old. And then at 600 years old, the ark is built. So somewhere in a 100-year span, it was built. Could have taken all 100 years, could have taken less. But I guarantee you, it took a while. And I don't know how long it would take today with the tools that we have, with air guns and with uh, all the, all the tools, the saw, electric saws, but he didn't have any of that stuff. And so while he's building the ark, he had to have help from his kids. His boys had to help him. But while he's doing that, he somehow found time in building the ark to train his men up, his sons, in the way they should go. Now what I want you to think about this morning is... Not only did God trust Noah to do, the, to do the ark, watch this, he went a step further. He trusted Noah to preserve the earth. Because what you've got to realize, as I began to read, and you don't see a whole lot about it. We know he had three sons, but you don't see a whole lot about it other than the fact of this. Is a child, a, a godly father, sorry, his only responsibility really on this earth is that his children would follow him as he follows Christ. Okay? That his children would follow him into heaven. There's no greater blessing than to be at a funeral and have somebody that's lived a long life, like my grandfather, like my grandmother, and at that funeral, their kids and their grandkids are serving God. Because they left a legacy and they did what they were supposed to do. So God trusted Noah to build the ark and to train his kids. And th think about this. It later says in 7-7, Genesis 7-7. So Noah, with his sons, with his wife, and his sons' wives, went into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Now think about this. There was only eight people. There was only those families that got into the ark out of however many we don't even know populated the entire earth. Only eight people got saved. Only eight in Noah. Only those people got saved. Only those went into the ark. And in a world where nobody, say nobody, wanted to get in the ark, everybody wanted to sin, everybody wanted to do their own thing, Noah not only built the ark, watch this, he not only built the ark, but he lived a life that was so real, spent so much time with his kids, training them in the way they should go, that they got on the boat with him. Do you realize that today we have lots of children doing their own thing? And the bottom line is, is when it's all said and done, they're going to answer to God for their lives. It will not be the responsibility of the Father that has trained them in the Lord. And if they don't go to heaven, it's on them. But God trusted Noah to not only build the ark and get on it. Watch this. But he knew he had to have a man who would take the time to train his three sons. Because if his three sons do not get on that boat we are not here today because there's nobody on the boat to populate the earth. They were too old. Yes, God could have done a miracle like he did with Abraham and Sarah. They were too old to have kids. His faith, 
His trust was in the father, Noah, that he would not only build the ark, but that he would get his kids on that ark with him and that those three sons would be our, our spiritual fathers and they would begin to go and multiply the earth. And today we're here because of a great godly father who took the time to spend with his kids. Can you say amen? He took the time to spend with his kids. So I want you to think about that today as the musicians come. Are you spending time with your kids? Are you spending time telling them, as the pastor did so well, talking about all these things, teaching them and instructing them? Isn't it great how the Holy Spirit leads uh, two people to preach one message? Teaching them, protecting them, f- being a friend to them, Father first, setting a higher standard, providing being the patriarch, disciplining them, being the spiritual leader, treating your wife right, doing all these things he talked about takes time. But our excuse today is, well, I don't have time to do it. It's an excuse. Excuses are like dirty diapers. They stink and they're full of you know what. Amen? How many know excuses stink? There is no excuse because if Noah did it, We can do it. I know you got a big job. I know you're busy. I know you work a lot of hours. But God hadn't called you to build an ark. Okay? You got it better than Him. He just called you to do your job and to raise your kids in the Lord. But it's going to take time. It's going to take being selfless. It's going to take being unselfish. It's going to take saying, God, I know I need to work. Don't be that man who says, hey, I provide for my kids. And the wife takes them to church. Don't be that man. Because there's a stat, and my dad did not read, that of 14,000 women in prison today that were polled, 52% of them grew up without a father in the home. People in prison today and in jail today, all over the world, and and, 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 and listen, I'm going to make a bold statement. Any society problems we have today, go to the father. Any. Every problem goes to the Father. There are some men out there that are raising their kids where the woman's not around. It's rare, but there are. Where the man is doing his job and the woman's left. But I don't care what anybody says. The Bible says that the responsibility of this world lies on the shoulders of a godly father. Somebody who will not make excuses And say, I've got a responsibility. Men, we had 22 men come up here this morning and stand. If you 22 men would take a stand in your marriages, in your families, and do the job of your responsibility to raise your kids and love your wife, this would be a powerful, powerful move of God. Because all God asks us to do is to be responsible for our family. And obviously something else comes out of that. Noah was responsible for his family thank God he was because we're here today because of him but when you think of a mighty man of God this morning church that took the time Noah's your man because I've always thought he didn't have to force those guys on that boat and you know what one of them could have said dad I'm staying here one of them could have had a wife that said no I'm not going he trained them enough to get them to get on and to have not only, see, watch the generational thing. Not only did they get on, but they were treating their wives in a way 
that their wives followed their sons on too. They said, I trust, watch this, I trust my dad enough to get on this boat. Are you a father this morning that your kids can trust enough to get on the boat? And if you're not, God can help you. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for Father's Day. We thank you for the fact, like Dad said, that just about 40 years ago, this has become a national holiday. And Lord, there's no doubt there's a deficit. Just like there's a financial deficit in this nation, there's a deficit of dads being dads. Today, there will be dads on the golf course. Today, there will be dads eating barbecue. Today, there will be dads at sporting events. There will be dads working. And all those things will be dads putting something more important than you. But a true man of God, a true man, is somebody who says God comes first. Then my family. And then a ministry. I'm going to be responsible, man, for my wife and my children before I'm responsible for anybody else. What are you doing to spend time this morning to be that man who walks in those leadership qualities? What are you doing right now as you're listening to this prayer to eliminate the excuses that you've been having to have not put God first? Noah didn't make any excuses. Noah could have had all kinds. I'm too old. I, I can't do it. I'm not able. He, he, and he might have even thought him, but he fought through him and he got the job done. There's a job for you. You might not have the world, humanity's population on your shoulders like Noah did, but you definitely have your families. And if you are a dad this morning, whether you like it or not, you've got a responsibility. And women, you've got a responsibility to follow that man. You've got a response. And if he's not being followable, you've got a responsibility to pray for him and say, God, make my husband followable. Touch my husband. Pray that he'll get to discipleship. Pray that he'll come to church. Pray that he'll be molded and, and, and make a way to, to watch the kids or whatever you got to do so he can come and learn how to be a godly man because he's not going to learn it on his own. He can get a certain distance by his own intent, but only God can make a true man of God. How many in this place, from front to back and side to side, fathers and mothers, sons, daughters, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior this morning. You've never asked Him to come in and be Lord. And today you realize, I can't be a good dad. I can't be a good mom. I can't be a good son without Jesus' help. How many say, that's me, I need a Savior this morning. Would you pray for me, Pastor, because I need to give my life to Jesus. Just put your hand up and say, that's me. All over this place, I need Jesus. I'm not saved. Front to back and side to side. If I passed into to eternity today, not only would I not be responsible for my family, I wouldn't be responsible for my own soul. Dads, this is a challenge for you today. If you're a good dad, let me tell you what your heart's doing right now. Your heart's touching your spirit. And your spirit's talking to your heart. And your spirit's listening to the voice of God. And the voice of God is saying, you can do better. And it's not a condemning thing. 
A good dad and a good father and a good husband will always say, I can do better. God put it in us to be strong. We have different qualities and traits than the woman. The woman has many strengths that we do not have. But there is one thing more than anything that God called you men to be, and it is a leader. It is a follow me and do as I do and say as I say leadership quality that God has placed in you that you might not be walking in today. To be followed, you have to be a leader. You have to be real. Let's stand to our feet this morning. And I, I ask for two things as we open up the altars. One would be that all the women, all the kids, that this would be about praying for your husband today and your father. and Praying that not condemning, not whining, not saying, oh, my dad is this or my dad is not this. Because I'll tell you one thing, as I'm always sensitive, there's many in this place this morning, I won't name names, whose dads are not here. And would love and give anything for that dad with those problems to be back. Even the things they didn't like about him, they'd love to have him do that today at lunch. Whatever got on their nerves, they'd love to just sit down with them one more time. So if your father's passed away, you know what I'm talking about. But if he's alive, then you need to pray for him. Because God's got a plan for him. God's got a purpose for him. And God's not done with him. There's nothing more exciting than seeing a man take responsibility and lead his family. Not perfectly, but lead. Say, I'm going to follow Christ and I ask you to follow me as I follow Christ. There's nothing greater. You, you, it, money, fame, careers are nothing compared to a godly man who's leading his family to heaven and his children call him blessed. Amen? So we're going to sing a song this morning. You, maybe you're here and you're just you're hurting today because you missed that. Maybe you're here today and you're estranged from your father. Maybe you're here today and, and there's just all kinds of emotions going on. Maybe you got the best dad in the world. And you, you just want to thank God for him. I don't know what you need this morning, but I know there's many needs. I know days like today are good days and bad days, depending on where you're at in your situation. But I know God is a God of mercy. He wants to help us this morning. And he wants us to be like Noah. How many men do I have in this place that want to be like Noah? Amen.